0: and welcome to The Call on this Friday. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have your company. Uh, In fact, I'm already wrong. Um, When I say stocks picked by you, being a bit cheeky today uh, with our two experts on the show. uh, Joining us, Claude Walker from A Rich Life and Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Guys, welcome to you. I say a bit cheeky because I did actually defer to you guys a little earlier about what stocks you'd like to talk about. So we do have a a few stocks picked by our viewers, but also obviously ones that you want to talk about, which I think is really important because obviously if you're investing in it, uh, literally, but also figuratively as well, then uh, we're going to get a little more out of it, aren't we? So uh, that's the way we're going. Just uh, as far as the first five stocks we're going to take a look at, Accent, srg global credit clear and rectifier technologies with enero they're our first five well um claude let me start with you um let me get an overall market perspective uh, what you're uh, looking at right now you know clearly you're more at the smaller ends um how positive or negative are you at the moment i uh, well, i'm
1: more at the smaller end than most people, but probably more, not more than at the smaller end than Luke. He, he really is focused on the micro end. So actually, at the moment, I've been uh, looking at some uh, growth at a reasonable pri- price style uh, small companies, which I always think you know can get both uh, earnings per share growth and a multiple re-rate as they get bigger and, and more uh, funds etc. Start to look at it, and more brokers cover them. Uh, However, I also like uh, I also have been looking to add and and rebuild a few of my positions in what I'd say the high are the higher quality growth companies. Uh, Now they, you know, obviously like one everyone knows I own is ProMedicus. That's an extreme version. Not every high company stock is trading on 100 times earnings. There are some that are down. I'd say you've seen quite a few high quality businesses now for around 50 times earnings. Uh, I don't own Altium, but that would be an example. Uh, of the kind of company I'm talking about, so that's what I've been adding recently, and perhaps a little smaller than Altium because I still like to try and get that uplift as a company eventually graduates into the ASX 200, and then um, you have the automatic buying from passive funds that are price insensitive; they just have to own it by a certain date, and, and that can sometimes mm. be a good time to exit.
0: Yeah, well, that's what you want, or, isn't or it? Or so partial. Yeah, you want a, you want a company to grow, so micro becomes small, becomes you know a large company. Um, Luke. How, what are you sort of looking at at the moment then and how, how are you feeling about the invest, investment landscape?
2: Um, on, the, on the balance, I'm pretty positive, Andrew. I think the more data that comes out economically, um, I'm sort of coming around to the fact I don't think we'll have, a, you know, a large recession or contraction. that um, looked like could have been the case, you know, maybe six, nine months ago. Um, as inflation looked like it could spiral, and interest rates were, were going to go with it, um, so a bit more circumspect on that. I think the market is as well a bit more confidence has come in from that point of view. Um, I think Claude spot on. I mean, you know, a, a downturn in the market is like a forest fire, and you need it. It just removes the excesses of um, speculation and greed that comes into the market at times. And we had that in 2021. Like buy now, pay later was the the um, you know poster child of that sort of mania at the time. Um, and so you get that clean out of the market and then what emerges obviously again going back to that forest fire um, analogy the green shoots start to come back the good businesses you know continue to grow and the market comes back to them valuations recover and as claude says eventually those businesses especially the small ones grow up that market cap scale and, and larger funds get more confidence in um you know the smaller businesses and passive funds and, and whatnot so look on the whole yeah I'm, I'm quite i'm quite positive um from a macro point of view and also from a, a micro point of view of the opportunity sets across the the micro cap smalls and we've got a good we've got a good selection today to to jump into a few names I think are some good examples of that
0: yeah absolutely well let's get into it in fact uh, see if we can find those uh, those opportunities we're going to begin of course with our stock of the day it is fiducian FID the financial group offering uh, well funds management financial planning uh, platform and administration and um, in fact it's released its quarterly cash flow report this morning net inflows into the platform for the quarter 122 million and year to date is 279 million dollars um, and claude just taking a look uh look the share price over the past year down around 25 percent in fact it peaked what late 2021 has been under pressure ever since then what are you seeing with fiducian at the moment
1: well, we're seeing in that in that downtrend, uh, it acting like most fund managers, to be quite honest, because obviously as the market came off the boil towards the end of 2021 and in the beginning of 2022, which is now their comparable, right? Um, that's that has hurt their total funds under management and administration advice, just as markets have come down. And now you know they've had a bit of a, a downtrend in their uh, funds under management, but you know looking looking at this actual quarterly it's not too bad and you know with some growth in funds and administration advice although they do also um you know they grow by acquiring so it's not all organic but I think you know the five-year graph tells you a little bit more of the story but if you go and look at this company which has been listed for a really long time it's grown on the ASX in plain sight it has uh you know founder-led business it has directors buying on market at the moment it is going to it is going to probably struggle to uh, get some good share price momentum while markets are iffy, and that you know that's why I wouldn't. I don't look. I don't own it myself, but I just think it's a high quality small cap, uh, and it doesn't you know surprise me to see yet another free cash flow, good free cash flow result. We can see from that quarterly that they voluntarily put out that these guy, guys these guys are strongly cash flow positive. You could easily see you know ten twelve million free cash flow from this company as they are right now. And that puts it on a pretty reasonable multiple EV to free cash flow, like maybe 15 times. They pay a dividend. You've got to look for that growth long term to, to you know, get your yeah, outperformance there. But basically, this ticks all the boxes, the kind of small cap that I would be interested in. And it's a company I've owned in the past, but it's illiquidly traded. It's so when there is that downturn and there's more sellers than buyers, you can see quite a volatile share price. So anyone who wants to know more about this stock, look at the 10 year history and see how it has gone up and down with markets quite severely.
0: So are you would you hold it then if you had it?
1: Uh yeah, look, I would probably I call this a hold. I think this yeah. is actually a small cap, a long term small cap. You could just hold throughout the cycle and I believe you will do well. There's you know there's some success, succession risk as the founder maybe uh, grows older. He's been there for a very long time. And, but having said that you know i kind of t- having watched this in public for 10 years now my entire career i've been following this this stock you know i've seen them do a really a solid job growing a business growing earnings per share you know that they is, they are up a lot they have paid dividends mm. and it's a, it is really a uh, share price does follow earnings per share story if you look it, at the long interesting. term
0: interesting i mean you say you've been watching it for 10 years so you still haven't got into it over that time well you, are you
1: i've owned it oh right. i've owned it in that period okay sure. yeah absolutely right. i i um and let me tell you that's why i mentioned it's going to be a volatile ride because yeah. you know it's stomach churning when seeing this thing trade there's not many buyers not many sellers you know today we've got twenty thousand dollars traded and that's when a quarterly out so mm-hmm. that gives you an idea of how it could go up and down uh, but I do admire, you know, I admire the company. And over the long term, it has been a good one to trade because the long term trajectory has been up. What we're seeing now is it's just come down off this massive all-time high reach when markets was super hot, which is kind of what you'd expect for a fund manager. Yeah. So I don't see the current downtrend as meaning, oh, this is a bad company. It's just obviously fund managers are a little bit cyclical with the market. Go and look at AEF. That's way more of a, you know, super, super mountain. These guys have done a rel- have been relatively steady Uh, in comparison to some of those other fund managers, for sure.
0: All right. So, Luke, your opinion?
2: Uh, mostly agree, Andrew. Um, it's one I've owned in the past as well. Um, the fact I don't currently own it is not a criticism of the business because I completely agree with Claude. I think it's um, long-term proven to be one of the the, the better small-cap stocks on the market. Um, the long-term trajectory, to me, still looks really strong. I think this business um, just has a fantastic uh, growth plan that they want to execute on. Uh, you know, it's a financial planning business, and you look at the pillars that go around financial planning, such as the investment um, side of the business and obviously the platforms like HubNet Wealth and, and some of the incumbents, the, the banks Macquarie, um, you know, Fiducian wants to replace those pillars around the financial planning network and keep that margin within the group rather than having it go out to external parties. So, you know, they manage their own investment arm through a, a manage the manager function. They've built their own platform in house, so they don't have to outsource to Harbour Net Wealth, Um, and so it sets them apart from a few of their peers listed on the ASX that you know run advisor groups, financial planning groups. Um, They just achieve much better margins, much better growth, much better service for their own advisors and the customers that that obviously come underneath them. Um, You know, I think Claude's spot on. This is a business that I see just growing. that, That that. um, perfect sort of compound style business that you'll get over the next few years. Um, definitely hold it if you're there. It's a liquid. If you've worked hard to get a position, it's not one you want to give up easily. For the right investor who can take a long-term view and maybe go through a bit of that volatility Claude was talking about, caused by liquidity or the market, I think you can buy it today. As Claude says, that's sort of 14, 15 times earnings where it's at. That's a, a fair multiple for this business and the long-term growth. Um, you may be able to get it cheaper. You know, there's been times where fiducians probably traded on 10 10, 11 times earnings but as it gets bigger and liquidity comes in go back to what claude said at the start of the show that's where more funds can start to look at this business as it creeps up towards a three four five hundred mil market cap liquidity naturally comes in and multiples naturally shift up so it's probably a, 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 at least a hold for me andrew but a buy for the right investor who can stomach small cap volatility with a long-term focus yep good one okay that is fiducian
0: all right so let's get into our 10 stocks as picked by you, but also, as the case may be, by, uh, by Luke and Claude. Uh, the first one being Accent Group. Uh, it is the uh, clothing footwear retailer, wholesaler, distributor. Um, most recent is uh, first half FY23 trading update, uh, 33% lift in sales there. Um, Luke, what's your thought on Accent?
2: Well, that chart says it all, Andrew. It's a retailer trading at, um, you know, uh, one year highs there, but it's getting close back to its all time highs. Uh, I think it's up around $3. Um, it's a Brett Lundy retailer. So that right there should, should tell you a lot. It, it's always going to uh, be well run, well executed. Uh, and you see that through all the metrics of the business, you know, good margins good control of costs, inventory, um, a lot of the things that have plagued other retailers, you don't see them with this Accent um, result that recently came out. Um, many retailers struggled to contain inventory, contain costs, um, struggled with the shift from online back to, to on-premise, you know, if they were trying to juggle that omnichannel style um, Accent, you know, uh, ticks ticks on, on, on all of those things. Um, Importantly for me, though, it's not one that I, I look at quite often because it's, you know, it, it's starting to creep up there. One point four billion dollar business, you know, it's, it's a mid cap. Well and truly, um, it's still got some good store rollout growth. Um, you know, fifty three new stores were opened in this last re- result. You know, that's six percent of the store base. So that gives you a good platform for growth straight away. Let alone the like for light growth on top of that. Um, you know, of course, the margin accretion and and you know, at an EPS level, you know, it's probably starting to look at it. Uh, you know, well and truly, double digit growth, which is is pretty good for a retailer in this environment. Um, It probably trades on about 14 or 15 times earnings. That's pretty reasonable for the history of this business, the growth they're getting right now. Um, Of course, the big question is, is what does that consumer look like in in the shorter term as the the effects of interest rates really start to bite, you know, maybe the second half of this year. um, You're cycling maybe some tougher comps as well as you had that reopening trade um, from the second half last year. So I think that's the market's way of just being a bit hesitant on this one. Look, I probably come back to the same view I had with fiducian, despite being very different stocks. I think you hold this stock if you're there there's there's no reason you would sell a high quality business like this um you know you just have to look at the, the track record dividends a focus on per share metrics all the things i like to see in a business um If you're an investor who can stomach a bit of volatility, I think you'll see that with retailers over the next probably year. So be prepared for that. But if you can stomach that volatility, I think even with the run that it's had, Accent doesn't look too bad today. So Mm. maybe a light buy for those sorts of investors. Um, If you're someone who, you know, maybe doesn't have quite that stomach sit on the sidelines keep it on your watch list it will have pullbacks they always do these sorts of discretionary styles but um fantastic business i I can't fault the actual fundamental result at all
0: all right claude Uh,
1: we'll end up having a lot of agreement as usual luke Uh, we've got to find those areas where we disagree uh but I'll, i'll basically uh say that i think you know This one is probably a hold now, but for the momentum, uh, in the sense that, so first of all, uh, they're saying on the earnings call, this is the most on trend I've ever, uh, I've seen Accent Group in a very long time, the CEO. And they've had a a great half, the estimates are for obviously a week, a half to June. But if you believe the estimates, it's not crazily expensive. Uh, the only negative of, is that um, the CEO is selling for tax reasons. That can be a little bit of a flag. So for me right now, I'd sort of I'd hold it while the um, story is good and the mem- momentum's good, but definitely mm. reassess where you think the economy is before August would be my idea. But keep in mind that um, you know for the August results to be disappointing or bad, you would have to see a real slowdown in the consumer like pretty soon to right now. Yep. So. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled if you're a holder. You want to be sensitive to those changes in the economy with this kind of one. Obviously, it's had a massive share price run, but I I see the story as remaining pretty solid for now.
0: All right. Okay. put that in your calendar ahead of those uh, August uh, numbers uh, for Accent. All right, let's move on. Our second stock being uh, SRG Global and uh, it's engineering services. I guess, you know, it's one of those stories where you talk about uh, if you're in the commodities, you want to do the picks and shovels rather than actually do the digging yourself, um, and that's what uh, SIG Global is about. In fact, uh, most recently awarded a couple of contracts with uh, Northern Star Resources, the big gold miner. Claude, how are you valuing uh, SIG Global?
1: Yeah, so this one was my suggestion, by the way, and I, I own shares in it. Uh, and and I like it at, at the current price, basically. And the reason for that is because it's a, look, it's a di- diversified industrial services company. Uh, so it's not the it's not like the best kind of business mo- model, or it's not like super high margins, or or necessarily it's, it can get a bit of a competitive advantage with reputation brand. But it's not you know particularly a, a high moat business. But the reason it's interesting is because I believe that it's improving the quality of its business. So a few years ago these guys had some really bad results um, and you know it's just basically due to this one-off projects construction center they had to have provisions for bad debt ie you know they couldn't even get paid and uh, also the COVID lockdowns hit them as well so they had shut down situation where they've got all of these employee expenses in New Zealand anyway can't really build so tough business there they actually took the decision then to be like look there are some weaknesses in our business And this construction section is really not that good so we're going to try and reduce that and lean into and build out our asset maintenance services which is more of a recurring like ongoing business rather than a big one-off project and they've they've achieved that in fy to the first half of fy 2023 getting it to be now two-thirds that asset management and then they also announced that and this is the key they announced the acquisition of another company als asset management which takes that down to about 75% more of that asset maintenance business. And I just think that the re- the recur more recurring nature of that kind of business when you're a- asset maintaining, mm. puts you in a better position to create a track record of growth over, over the years. Because when you have big one off projects, you have all these big ups and downs as the projects come on and off and you end up getting a lower multiple uh, because it's hard to predict your profits. and. Uh, as they become, you know, they'll still go up and down a bit, but as they get more predictable, I'm, I believe that there could be a little bit of a multiple re-rate. And then hopefully we're also getting some EPS growth because it's supposed to be, um, you know, an EPS, accretive acquisition in the end. So yep. uh, that, that's why I like it. It's just pretty simple growth at a reasonable part um, price style uh, thesis for me. And, so you know, that improving quality.
0: You're buying at this level?
1: I bought like at um, very close to the current level, perhaps a little below. So the other yeah. thing that you've got to keep in mind is they raised capital uh, in order to fund this acquisition. So that created a flood of shares on the market. Um, they also, you know, it was like, I think equivalent of about 70 cents because they, they got the dividend as well, the new shares. Mm. So you can actually see it dropped below 70 cents for a while there. And I'm ashamed to say I missed that opportunity to buy, but on the way back up, that's where I've bought. And um, I think that... You know, my theory is that that drop there is more just, oh, there's a big, you know, the share price was above the capitalizing price. So people could just buy the shares discounted and sell them for a quick profit. And and some people for sure would have done that.
0: Okay. Luke, are you buying
2: it or do you own it? Um, I don't own it. Um, I I would actually say it's a buy for the program though, Andrew. I agree with everything Claude just said, particularly the first point he made is is such an important one because... um, you know, sometimes we like to talk about business quality as an absolute level of the business, um, and while that's important to find quality businesses, often what's more important for a share price is that incremental change to the quality of a business. A low-quality business going to an average business will often be a better return for investors than a you know a, a good-quality business staying at a good-quality business. Um, so, so looking at businesses that are improving over time, you know, whatever metric you want to pick, margins, uh, profit. Profitability, return on equity. Um, and that's exactly what SRG's done. I agree with Claude, and you see that in their slides. Um, you know, have gone from a net debt position to a net cash position over the last few years, have increased their dividend by half a cent for the last four half years. Everything's trending in the right directions, and it's all stemming from the operational improvements that, that management's put in. Um, now, the big question becomes, of course, you know, you've seen that we had the chart up before. A lot of that incremental improvement has been the share price to date. Um, can the business keep improving? And I think Claude touched on some points to suggest it probably can. Um, The acquisition the other week was a decent-sized acquisition, and sometimes I get a little bit, um, you know, uh, nervous seeing a business take on a a large acquisition. It always comes with integration risks and, and things like that. But this is a management team, I think, has well and truly earned the benefit of the doubt to go out and make an acquisition like this. They've taken on a bit of additional debt Um, but again, like I said, they went from net debt to net cash over the last three or four years. So They've shown the discipline to be able to take on debt, pay it down, put themselves in a position to have the balance sheet flexibility to do it again and get that accretion that Claude was talking about. Mm. Um, it's also in that asset maintenance space where they want to be rather than the big, lumpy, cyclical construction. Um, so, look, you know, it's not one I have actually looked at too closely. Um, I used to own it years ago when a stock I owned was uh, merged into it but but sold shortly after. Um, and it's sort of been off my radar since and so sort of floated back on recently I know it's one that Claude uh, likes and obviously for the program Um, and it is a much better business than what I remembered and I think it's reflecting now in the share price and and it will likely to continue to be reflected moving forward I think you do well as a shareholder from here
0: all right we are calling that a double buy then for SRG global all right let's move to our third one Simon picking credit clear uh, saying I'm interested in to get the experts view Uh, it is a small cap uh, and he's looking at it for his speccy part of his portfolio saying they're growing client list and pivot to positive cash flow it's got my attention luke has it got your attention because you take a look at the share price uh it uh, it looks uh, it's a pretty ugly chart
2: yeah yeah it's a recent ipo that sort of struggled a little bit mm. um it's in that debt collection space it um you know purports to have a a strong technology focus so rather than being that sort of hands-on debt collecting um they they try to get in earlier in that phase with their customers and and use technology to try and improve collections before it gets to you know the the credit corp and 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 the rest of of those sorts of guys as as debt collectors um i think when i think about this business from a tech point of view um that that is interesting and and no doubt i think they've developed some interesting technology but I think it'd be worth keeping in mind that they're not going up against incumbent peers who um, aren't looking at that same space. Like I, I jumped on Credit Corp's recent um, uh, quarterly call, and there was a few questions about their technology and whether they offer, you know, something similar to to Credit Clear. And, and the short answer was from the CEO is that they do. Um, they don't really disclose it very much, but it's it's a space they're looking at. Um, similar to, to Credit Clear of using, um, you know, leveraging technology, leveraging machine learning, AI, all the, all the, all the nice buzzwords yeah. to sort of um, assist in that collection process earlier and, and sort of prevent bad debts from, from becoming, you know, uh, written off debts uh, later on down the track. On Credit Clear by itself, look, it's not one that sort of I've looked at too closely and, and quite simply it's because I think they're still a little bit too early stage for me. Um, on, on the way they report, they say they're about one million, you know, EBITDA positive. There's a few addbacks to that I'm not really a fan of, and the way I would think about the business, it's still loss making, and um, you know, it's growing and, and should scale into profitability relatively soon, maybe in the next half or two. But in this environment, I'm just sort of sitting back and waiting to see that inflection point, point. Um, and, and I, I think that's the market's view as well when you look mm-hmm. at the price. So just be aware as investors, you know, always normalized EBITDA, always just take that extra second to have a look. At what's in there like for credit clear as an example share based payments and some development spend gets excluded to me that's cost of doing business for these guys it's it's you know not something that should be excluded so i add that back and it's still a, a loss making business um and so i wouldn't i wouldn't really look too deep until it has that inflection okay all right claude
1: Yeah, so this is one that I own, but I bought too early, and I and I actually agree with uh, some of what Luke said, and and I wouldn't call it a buy now. I'd call it a hold. Uh, We need to see that growth pick up. So this has disappointed the market. You can see the share prices down. Basically, the revenue growth came in slower than it should have. Um, Luke is absolutely right. They are a loss-making business, and also what Luke really also told us is they need to stop with these uh, you know underlying a bit there with this that and the other and jingle bells and all that sort of stuff like nobody cares it just undermines that your you know the it undermines the weight on which the market will actually put the words of management because nobody cares a hundred percent doesn't care so the reality is that um, they need they said on the call they need about an additional 10 million revenue to get to impact break even and the reason they've disappointed is because half on half they only added 2.5 million revenue so at that rate it would take two years to get to, to break even now th- they're saying that they've you know already signed a bunch of revenue deals that should start you know picking up that revenue growth and that's why it's sort of a hold for me because i'm like well like you really need to actually deliver this revenue and and that's and that's kind of my opinion of it at the moment because mm. If they don't deliver the revenue then they they, this whole narrative where they're going to get to break even it it falls apart but i would have thought based on the contracts they say they've won they can deliver stronger revenue growth so that's what we're holding out for yeah
0: okay all right that's credit clear let's uh pick up rectifier technologies based on some uh, twitter suggestions here it uh, manufactures power modules uh, that assaults Tritium, uh, who then install it in EV uh, charging stations. Uh, in fact, uh, President Biden, he uh, he's, so, um, was uh, praised uh, Tritium for its decision to build uh, its manufacturing facility in in Tennessee. And it's expecting to manufacture about 30,000 EV chargers a year. Interesting, of course, it's all picking up. And then we had that announcement yesterday from the Australian government trying to encourage, of course, um, Australians to buy EVs um, we'll see how that uh, that pans out. Claude what do you think then of Rectifier
1: so Rectifier is another one that I've followed for many years but I'll, I'll definitely make space for, for Luke to fill us in because the difference between me and Luke on this one is I've followed it for many years and I've owned it sometimes and I've sold it and, and I've sold it at, at inopportune moments and uh, Luke has actually been a backer of this and for a long time and, and he's been right and look, this is a little manufacturing company in Australia. It's just got, you know, that's the kind of business it is. So when it gets a big purchase order, it can get heaps of revenue, it's operating leverage kicks in and suddenly it's super profitable. But then, you know, if they have lower revenue and they need to invest in making, you know, their physical assets better so they can continue in, you know, inventing new rectifiers and and all of that kind of thing that, you know, the profit can drop down a bit. So it's such a bumpy, it's a very bumpy ride. Uh, for shareholders and you can see that over even the one-year chart but also the um the 10-year chart and but, but the, the, the overall trajectory has been up into the right i think now you know i've watched this i was extremely nervous about this company i first bought shares i think it was 0.004 so like not you know it's gone up 10 times more, or more since then but every tick was it's a crazy little micro cap right and then it's just gradually uh you know it's growing in size all of those things we talked about at the beginning of the uh program, it can appeal to more and more people. It has a better track record of, uh, you know, profitability and recent record results, I think, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but very strong results recently. So the overall picture for me of Rectifier, I don't own it myself and and so that would be like, you know, the one caveat. And it's absolutely like what we're saying uh, with Fiducian, but even more so, you know, this would only be, I'd consider it sort of a speculative long-term holding if, if you wanted to go for that kind of thing. But and I'm, I'm sure the committee would never say yes to the rectifier, but I do actually consider it, you know, a, basically a buy or a hold at the ver- at the worst.
0: Okay, a specky hold or buy, perhaps. Uh, okay, yeah, long-term.
2: Okay, over to you then, Luke. Um, Claude's got me beat a little bit. I think I first bought it at 0.006. So he's <laughs> okay. got me by thirty. You probably bought it off range. me,
1: mate. You probably bought it off me. <laughs> okay. So trust me, you've done better.
2: <laughs> yeah. But look, I, I agree with everything. I, I think this is a, a much better business than than sort of what the, the chart implies, the, the lumpiness anyway. As Claude said, shorter term, yeah, there's been periods that have been good and bad. And COVID obviously has been part of that as well for, for a lot of manufacturing businesses when you're trying to get physical things around the world. Um, but the business has executed very well from, from the time when Claude and I first started looking at it, which would have been you know, 2015, 2016, something like that. Uh, I thought the most recent half result was the real breakout result for the business and the culmination, I think, of what's been building now for the last couple of years. Um, as Claude alluded to, they've won some some large purchase orders over the last year or two from Tritium and um, another business called iCharging based over in, um, in Europe, who also do DC fast charging. Um, but because of COVID, issues, supply chain issues, um, they found difficulties in actually manufacturing and getting those products to their customers, and all that sort of unwound in the last half, and they were able to deliver you know, 20 mil revenue, 4 mil net profit, and you saw that leverage that Claude was talking about, it's the sort of business, it's a high margin, high return on equity business, so when those that big revenue comes in the, the front door, as shareholders you do very well at the end with, uh, with profits, and I'm sure dividends will, will come to shareholders as well. Um, it's a buy for me, Andrew. I, I did actually recently purchase some more after the recent result around this sort of you know five cent level. Um, as Claude said though, it's for the right investor. This is a mm. micro cap, seventy five mil market cap. Um, I, I think the the short term growth of the business should continue to look pretty good it's still underpinned by some large contracts um, as an example um there's about 60 million dollars worth of, of contracts they've recently signed um revenue for this half was about 20. so there's still a good backlog there for them to eat into and i think you'll see that over the next half or two um but claude's right this business needs to keep winning them and and, and growing investing in its product but they've got a history of doing that i'm happy to back them and i don't think you're paying a huge price right now um, where the risk of, of a slight misstep would see the share price get hit very hard either way. So buy for me, for definitely speculative buyers. is the, the way you put it. I think that's right.
0: Yep. Good one. OK, that is a rectifier. All right. Our fifth one is a narrow group. Uh, it's, uh, Roger wanted to know about this one, saying so appreciate his thoughts uh and more to the point whether it would be considered a buy for a longer term hold considering it's trading near multi-year lows it is uh was international network of marketing and communication businesses essentially luke um tell us a little more about an then
2: um i'll start with the conclusion andrew this is definitely a hold for me um there's a lot going on with this business, as you said. the The core business is it's a it's a creative marketing advertising agency, extremely cyclical. We know that you know we've seen these businesses you know go through economic cycles. You know, GFC was a great example. They really struggle. And that core segment for Nero is starting to struggle. It saw, you know, um, uh, negative negative growth in the last half. The outlook was a bit cloudy as well. and, And management is sort of saying that, you know, it's a tough macroeconomic environment to be an advertising agency or a creative agency right now. Why it's still a hold, though, is one, the valuation, it's come off such a long way. But two, there is an asset in this business that is extremely interesting. Um, It's been there for a while and the market's pretty unsure about how it plays out, whether it can be monetized or or value unlocked in some way. But they have a segment called OB Media where they own 51% of that business. It's in the programmatic digital advertising space. And its growth has been amazing. It's been, you know, uh, over 100% compound annual growth rate for the last, I think, three or four years. Um, But the profitability that comes alongside that. um, On my numbers backing out the non-controlling interests, it did about 30 mil net profit for the half. Now, as an example, the Nero Group on its own only has about 175 mil market cap so there is a a a very strong argument to be made that the entire valuation of this business is underpinned and then some by the single asset they own in this ob media now can that be unlocked it's hard to say there was a strategy day the other week where you know management sort of alluded to M&A in some spaces or, you know, acquiring or spinning off assets. They didn't explicitly say that OB Media, something would happen there. But I think you have to hold it if you're an investor. I Mm. think, you know, I would struggle to sell it when they've got an asset that good um, and, and to me worth... Potentially double the current share price, um, you know, just given the growth and the profitability in that space. So, it's a hold. I think it's worth. It. I think it's worth a bit of work for someone. Again, we're doing small caps here today, Andrew. It's volatile. You need the stomach for it. But if you have that, this is one taking a look at very closely and see if you can stomach the weakness in that core business for that jewel in the crown they have with OB Media.
0: All right, okay,
2: Claude. Do you have the stomach for it then?
1: Uh probably not for this one, but look i'm a big believer in you have a diversity of um different thesis in your portfolio so for me you know healthcare software tech and small caps they're the sort of major buckets and um doesn't really fit anywhere it's like the it's you know the super deep value style investing and don't get me wrong i definitely think deep value style investing can work uh but i just think that it just requires a different kind of psychology and also it's really hard and you kind of shine when, um, you know, growth stocks go off badly and stuff but then you're like sitting on the sidelines when like growth stocks go on a bull market and people are making, you know, silly money. So it's not my favorite kind of thesis but I do think that there is a thesis there and and Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's a silly thesis. So uh, I would more look at it as like, you know, that maybe there's a – you know, there's a value play there. And if you want to have some growth stocks and you want to have some, you know, defensive growth or, or whatever, and you're trying to have different theses in your portfolio, yeah, this is a, definitely a, a deep value one you could look at. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me overly. Uh, having said that, you know, what I'm really looking for in this kind of business is, is get me net cash on the balance sheet, uh, eliminate that debt, and suddenly the risk really drops. And then I'm interested, you know, and it's a good dividend stock if it's going to be uh, net cash and paying out... You know dividends, And so that means even if it has a downturn, has a tough time, it doesn't get into distress. And so they have their strategy. They're like, oh, we're going to buy back shares. We're going to pay 40 to 60% dividends. And I guess they're probably going to try to pay down some debt as well. It's trying to do everything instead of just pay down the debt, clean it up. Then nobody can criticize it too much.
0: Yep. Okay. So what's your call on it then?
1: Uh, I guess like holds just in in respect to the fact that I do think there's a reasonable thesis there, but I personally wouldn't like it.
0: Yep. Fair enough. All right. Okay. well, let's summarise the first half of the show. Then we began with our stock of the day, of course, that being Fiducian. Uh, It is the fund manager. Uh, In fact, both Luke and Claude uh, have owned it in the past. Um, Claude's saying, you know, high quality, small cap, but he does point out that it is pretty illiquid he's got a hold on as does luke with perhaps the potential to buy there uh, he's certainly saying it's one of the better small caps all right into those stocks as picked by you are uh, the first one there being uh, accent the uh, footwear and clothing group uh luke saying looks well run uh but volatile he's got a hold with a potential maybe a bit almost a light buy on it uh claude's uh willing to hold um pointing out that uh, you need to take a look at it before the August results just uh, be aware of uh, of that in terms of timing SRG Global uh, Engineering Services uh, Claude owns it uh, in improving quality business and Luke also points out that that's really important in fact both to the point that they like it to the, and they're willing to buy it so that's a double buy there for srg global one for our committee to consider i would have thought credit clear the uh, the fintech uh, in focused on uh, debt collection uh luke's saying look essentially it's too early it is loss making uh so he's not really interested claude uh he's owned it uh but he bought it too early he says he's got a hold on it rectifier Technologies, uh, sort of in the um ev charging sphere and Claude's saying he bought it and sold it. Uh, it's a pretty lumpy revenue, he points out. He's calling it a specky hold, maybe a specky buy. Uh, likewise, Luke, specky buy there. Uh, it is, um, he's saying, essentially a, a better business than the, than the share price suggests. And our fifth one there. Uh, A Nero Group, Uh, Luke has a hold on it, saying, pointing out it's very cyclical, attractive valuation though, uh, points out that OB Media, which he sees as a great asset. And uh, Claude, not as interested, uh, but does see the potential there. He's got a hold on it. All right, let's check out our portfolio that uh, that we're tracking here, the High Conviction Fund, picked by our investment committee, the latest episode of that is likely to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the update into April, new century was removed, WiseTech was added, and weightings of West Farmers and Macquarie Group went up by 2% each, another 1.5% was added to Boss Resources, and 7% cash was spent. So in terms of performance, taking a look, it's up 9.5% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March last year. So, keep your requests coming in, keep the call switched on to see what our committee will be looking at next. All right, next we're looking at in the second half of the show Superloop, Pointera, Whisper, uh, Better Shares Global Sustainability Leaders ETF, and Ava Risk. All right, so let's kick it off with Superloop as chosen by Susan. It is the. Uh, was sort of an internet uh, infrastructure provider founded by Bevan Slattery, in fact, um, has a, had a couple of recent deals too, uh, one of them being a specialist student accommodation broadband provider. Um, all right. So, Claude, views on Superloop. It's
1: been a while since I really uh, dusted off the valuation of Superloop. I Look, my valuation is sort of below the current price still, so I would actually probably call it, you know, a sell potentially. Uh, however, uh, look the, the the element I like is you know there's a, a back to the the international students returning university kind of uh, boom should help them, and so for that reason that would sort of push me up towards more you know maybe the bottom's in maybe we maybe they're getting there so uh, it could yeah it's it, things are looking like they they might be better in the, in the future. But it's just the, you know, for me, this is something I'd only be interested in at lower prices where I'm more like just buying the assets uh, because it's just really struggled to uh, make that transition towards profitability. It should get there now. And in, in a couple of years, it's it's a bit profitable. So uh, they, you know, did an acquisition a couple of years ago of a retailer. So I think that it's going to get there. It's going to be worth it. It's, some, it's something I'd pick up at a price for sure. Like it's investable. It's just, I can't get to 62 cents as you know, on the numbers for me, so for me it would probably still be actually a sell. Yeah. Um, or, but you know, whilst acknowledging perhaps the, perhaps in the long term it does actually you know bottom out and and, and go back up.
0: All right,
2: Luke, do you agree? Has it
0: got further to fall, um, uh,
2: could it could do, Andrew? It's not. Um, cheap that that's for sure um, same as Claude it's been a while since I've actually come back and had a look at Superloop and I'll give credit to management they've clearly been on a bit of a turnaround with this business uh, from what I can tell probably at least the last 12-18 months um, back then I thought it was just a, a bit of a beast of a business trying to do a lot of different things in um, you know, fixed wire, fixed wireless um, over in Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff was going on, and they've really streamlined the business now to the point where, to me, this looks like a direct competitor to someone like Aussie Broadband. And so when I look at those two businesses, they both trade around that sort of 10 times EBITDA, maybe, you know, give or take a, a point here or there. Um, and I think Aussie Broadband is a better business right now than Superloop. Now, Superloop you know, could catch up. It's no reason why it can't. I think there's a good focus on, from management on margins, cost control, all the, the good things you want to see. But I'd probably give Aussie broadband the, the tick for now of being the better business. And I would rather be there for a similar valuation than where I'd be with Superloop. Um, so from, from that point of view, I probably agree with Claude. I'd, I'd maybe like to see it a little bit cheaper, 15, 20%. I think it's a good asset base. It's a good business, good brand. I think the, uh, management's clearly doing some good things, consolidating that business back to its core. Mm. Um, and from all the metrics, that core business is doing quite well. Um, and, and costs are being controlled, you're seeing margins improve. So I think it's one for me, like, you know, I, I chucked it on my broader watch list that I keep of stocks that may be interesting at a right price or right time. Yep. Um, but for right now, it's not either of those things. I need mean, the business, you know, maybe another six, 12 months of improvement, or that price pull back to where you're being compensated for where it is today. Yeah. Um, so, you all know, right. So you're watching. I, it. I probably wouldn't sell it. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't rush out to sell it, but but definitely I wouldn't be buying
0: it. Okay. All right. That's super loot. Let's move on to Pointera. Uh, it is that sort of cloud based solution for what it stores, processes, analyzes uh, infrastructure uh, assets and shares that with sort of 3D data. Got a sizable footprint in the States. <clears throat> um, Luke, how do you view Pointera? Uh,
2: look, this is a business that. I really want to like, Andrew. I mean, it's it, it should have all of the characteristics of a, of a good little business. Um, a really interesting product around that 3D point cloud and digital twins and, um, you know, being used for large infrastructure projects, infrastructure assets. Um, there's, a, there's an industry there. It's a booming industry. Um, you know, you see that when you look at, um, you know, other peers in the space. There's a lot of money being spent in that digital twin area. Where companies and customers are able to um, analyze, track, you know, make changes in the in the digital world before they go and obviously make them, you know, spend millions and millions of dollars to make changes in the physical world. So, I, I want to like the business. The, the main problem I have is that the way they report um, their annualized contract metrics, um, actual revenue and cash have just never matched. The you know the growth that's been reported by by management, um, and it's only gotten worse over time, and it's it's started to hit a point where you know at the end of the day you can't pay bills with annualized contract value. You pay bills with cash, and cash has continued to be quite weak, and and you know cash burn, and the market I think now is expecting this business probably to raise at some point to be able to to continue going. Um, They're in contract negotiations with some large customers. I would at least wait to see how that plays out from here. Um, Management, were a little bit circumspect that they think it will have a positive outcome, that those customers will come back in the end and renegotiate, you know, higher contract values or embed deeper into what they're doing. Um, But to me, it would be a big risk jumping in now before you see that. Um, And one of the one of the main problems is like I view this product as, as pretty mission critical for a lot of the customers they would have. And so, you know, to see customers not willing to, to, to sign up quickly to Pointera and the, and the 3D cloud product, to me, maybe even questions that thesis a little bit. So... Um, Look, if you're there, you've ridden it a long way down. You're selling it now would probably be capitulation. I'm not sure whether it's worth capitulation. There's, Like I said, there's an interesting product there and something I want to like. I'm definitely on the sidelines for now, though, until you see the conclusion of these contracts and go back to um, Credit Clear. Yes. Um, you know, you probably want to see it pivot to that that uh, sustainability, positive cash flow. All right.
0: So, no, not now, uh, Claude. Uh, and we'd better pick this up too. We're running short of time.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's fair... Harsh but fair, Luke, to draw the line between that and Credit Clear. Look, they have the same kind of fundamental problem as, as this sort of loss-making company that has been too bullish, in my opinion, in the in the in the story they've told people, and and then now there's disappointment. Obviously, you know, Pointera extreme in in the level that it got to in terms of the, uh, I guess, illusion that that people had from eighty cents to twelve cents is is quite the fall, and. Uh, I honestly do think it, it probably goes lower from here I, I'm not sure I see it as a, a sociological phenomenon there was a lot of very uh, not a lot of valuation going on of this company and but I wanted to share something for the amusement of viewers I sold this company for a very insignificant profit at 0. Point, uh, at 4.0 Eight cents per share, right. only to watch the thing go to eighty cents. <laughs> and the reason I sold in two thousand and nineteen was this exact criticism that Luke made about, you know, okay, I was like, oh, this ACV is not a good valuation tool because the the cash flows aren't there. So I started valuing it on cash flow then, and the thing went to eighty cents, and now it's coming back back down. So yeah. for me, I'm probably going to take another look at this if it gets to five cents, and I'll be like, oh, finally, oh, I knew, yeah. I knew it. Don't complain, you made
0: but, a profit. All right, but that just shows.
1: But that just shows um, how really it was the uh, um, sociological phenomenon of this stock driving the share price, in my
0: opinion. All right. Okay. As I said, we better pick up the pace. Three to go. Let's uh, get into Whisper, communications platform. Uh, designs helps uh, organisations communicate. Um, Ryan saying, uh, or Ryan, in fact, uh, asking, saying it's he's been holding this stock for two years and has averaged down considerably. He's considerably down, though, on the stock. But uh, he sees the long-term prospects. Claude, do you? Uh,
1: I mean, once upon a time, I did. I definitely uh, have written a, a fair bit about this, so we can we can skip some. I've, I explained why I sold Whisper when it was like two dollars thirty-two. It's not that higher-quality software company, in my opinion. Essentially, the service they're providing, which is uh, they're having their product sold by partners, mostly. And then what they actually do, which is, you know, automate the sending of text messages and emails and stuff like that. There's like, look, it's not the highest value thing. It's not the hardest thing that they're going to get the highest margins from. Indeed, they haven't been getting high margins from that. In October last year, I think you can find it. If you, uh, I wrote an article called why Wispy will probably raise capital again. The trajectory they were on, in my opinion, meant they were definitely going to do that. They have responded by reducing their workforce drastically. Now, this is why I'm not into it. Because yes, they probably can avoid raising capital, but when you do massive workforce reductions, it probably is going to have some negative ramification. Mm. And I'd like to see how that all works out before I would uh, try to, uh, you know, call the bottom in this kind of stock. So for me, I'd still be sitting on the sidelines whilst sing- whilst also now acknowledging with you know drastic actions. I do indeed believe they can. You know, you fire a bunch of people, you can get to cash flow positive. That's great, but let's see how profitable they
0: are.
2: Yep. Okay. Luke? Agree with that point, Andrew. Um, This is one that's come up quite a bit for Claude and I. And I think we've been pretty consistent for the last probably year on this stock, which is um, it it probably wasn't as high quality as some of the tech peers it was put up against. Um, That growth was definitely juiced by COVID and you've seen that big unwind um, over the last um, sort of 18 months or so. Um, But agree with that last point Claude made. I respect the fact that management recognised that they had to make those hard decisions, cut a big chunk of their workforce, They've pulled out of the US, consolidated their product suite. They're all things that had to happen the question i have now is what does your growth rate then look like without those things um you know australia is already a pretty mature segment for them it has been for the last you know year or two um they're getting some modest growth in asia which i think will become the the engine for them Uh, but the 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 us was the you know the, the big hope for the business um if you if you go back a year or two ago that's now no longer there so what does growth look like you know what does this business, as Claude said, what does this business look like when everything finally shakes out? You know, fourth quarter this year, they think will be the that inflection point towards free cash flow positive. But what is that level of free cash flow? What does the growth look like? If you're there, look, again, very similar sentiment to 3DP. You've ridden it down a long way. You know, obviously averaging into it wasn't um, ideal either. But <clears throat> I don't think there's a reason to, to capitulate now when you're so close to that point you need to get to mm. and management uh you know uh, very not incentivized but but you know they're clear that that's where they want to be I, I i do respect they've made those hard decisions so i would hold it if you're there I'd, i'm just on the sidelines if you're not though i think wait and see what this actually looks like on the other side of this big restructure all right
0: okay Let's uh, move on now to an ETF, uh, ETHI. It is the Shares Global Sustainability Leaders uh, ETF uh, piloted uh, partly by uh, Future Super. Uh, I guess you know, if you want to satisfy your ESG credentials in your portfolio,
2: Luke, how do you view this? Oh, look, I mean, I'm an um, active investor, you know, stock picker, Andrew, so ETFs are not my style. I, I did take a look at this, but I saw nothing wrong. I mean, you know, as only only 60 basis point management fee, that's pretty reasonable for an ETF. Looks like it sort of mirrors that S&P you know 500 or, or large global msci there's it was all large mega caps um and looks like it excluded oil and gas you know um coal gambling firearms tobacco those sorts of things um the one comment i would have though is that for me ethical investing is a very personal Um, decision and like as an example one of the top holdings for this business is United Health a large US health insurer when I look at that business in the US health insurance I'm not rushing out to label that the most ethical business in the world you know, so I think if you're someone who is actually serious about building an ethical portfolio, I'd maybe just put in the, the little bit of extra work required to build your own ethical screens and, and what you want to achieve as an investor. Otherwise, something like this, it mm. does the job that's on the sticker on the front. So I, I can't I can't say too much more than that. Yeah, well, that's it's interesting. a hold, a yeah. hold if. You Know if that's what you want, um, otherwise, long term, you know, where the market is right now, it's 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 you know, it's a buy. No, I've got no issues with it.
0: Yep, uh, well, it's always a good point to find exactly what these um, EF, ETFs hold, Claude. I, yeah, you can
1: definitely check out the website, they've got the full, full hmm. list. I've got it in front of me. Overall, I'm quite happy with the companies that. Uh, they invest in that doesn't mean i like you know agree with every single company i totally uh, i think for any australian looking at the us health insurance business you're you know with some mild horror there uh so uh yeah overall definitely i uh, think it's an investable etf it's a good broad etf They're a little bit higher than the the lowest fees you can get but i guess you're you know you are actually getting a, some sort of uh filtering process there and over the long term i'm quite happy you know being a little bit more towards healthcare and and it and that kind of thing anyway as an investor Mm. though we have just had a period where you know you know with inflation and energy and stuff like that that's had a big boom for resource stocks but over the very long term i'm happy enough not to take part in it
0: all right okay that is the beta shares uh, ETF for uh, ETHI. Uh, let's round it out with Ava Risk. It is, as perhaps it suggests, risk management technologies. Um, gee, did well. It really took off the share price uh, at the beginning of COVID. Been uh, slowly dissipating since that point. Claude, Ava Risk.
1: Yeah, so part of the reason their share price is down is they paid out like, a lot of capital to shareholders. So actual returns experienced by shareholders. Is not as bad as, you know, what you might think looking at the chart, or if I mean the five year chart, because it was a little bit a while ago now. Um, now their sort of remaining business is it's a little bit lumpy. They don't have the, you know, they've sold off part of their business, but hence why they did the capital return. And it's a little bit more in a startup phase. Their your revenue therefore is down. Uh, and it's it's basically I think it's an investable small cap. I it's on my watch list. It's too early for me. So I'm going to call it a hold, but I just do think that the management has somewhat won me over by the track record over the last five years uh, with, you know, how they built up this other business, sold it for made profit, you know, put out and then return that capital to shareholders. That puts it on the list of companies that I'm going to watch in the small cup space. Cause if they have uh, a few big contracts with their, say their security perimeter business, or they start taking off with it the, they've got these sensors that can, you know, Sense if big machinery is broken, for example, I think, you know, they're reasonable ideas and they've got a shot at it.
2: All right. Okay. Look. Um, I agree with that, Andrew. I think, you know, you go back over the last few years, and it's a small cap team, um, you know, that have, have shown they can execute well, they've, they've run the business, break even slash slightly profitable, they've uh, made acquisitions, spun off assets, um, brought new products to market, uh, generated revenue from those new products. It's, it's all the things you want to see from a, from a small business. Um, you know, the thing that that When I think about this business longer term, I don't actually own it just for disclosure. It's like clawed on my watch list and one I think is definitely investable for a small cap investor. Um, But one of the things I like about this business is high gross margins. It's a very simple metric to use for these sorts of physical asset businesses. And that's what these guys are. It's physical security like... um, fiber optics, um, intrusion, um, you know, fingerprint um, optic sensors, things like that. Um, 66% gross margins, though, you you know, that shows you that there's some genuine um, either IP or or something that they're doing to be able to generate those sorts of gross margins. It's a business I'd like to see probably leverage those gross margins a bit more. Like I said, it's around that break even, but they are investing in their products, R&D and sales and whatnot. Um, And at the last half, you did see that first sign that that's Sort of um, operational cost base was not growing as fast as the top line revenue and that, and that the jaws of, of operating leverage was starting to open for the business and i suspect it can actually open quite wide because when you've got that large gross margin at the top line mm. it gives you a lot of flexibility as a management team to you know move your cost base around below that and, and, and show some nice profitable numbers so I, I don't own it it's one again i've owned it in the past as yep. claude said um you know it, it sort of had a good run there i was i was in there for that run and then some moving parts as i said spinning off assets and and capital returns and a bit was going on i i Um, you know sort of jumped off and have on my watch list ever since but I just can't fault management I think they've done a good job and it's one that I would probably like to own again um, at the right time right price when I I sort of come back to to that um, that statement again so uh, hold if you're there but but sidelines for now. Fair enough
0: All right. okay well let's uh, round out the second half of the show then Uh, we began with Superloop Uh, Claude um, look selling it but um, would perhaps buy it at a lower price Um, Luke pointing out not cheap even despite it having fallen so far he's got a watch on it. Pointera um, a no from both essentially. Um, Whisper um, no from Claude. He is watching it though Um, not terribly high quality he's saying, but they have instituted some cuts, which Luke makes the point of too. They're making the hard decisions, it is consolidating. He's got a hold on it. Uh, then we got to the ETF there that we were talking about. Uh, we're both not really into ETFs. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, well, no, no from Luke, uh, potentially a hold. Um, Claude also essentially no. Um, does, uh, Luke also points out, not necessarily, not necessarily satisfying those ESG credentials. Just take a look at exactly what it is holding. And a Risk there. Uh, look Claude pointing out too early he is watching it does have a hold on it uh, Luke watching potentially a hold as well uh, pointing out that it's uh, he has owned it in the past uh, and the business is executing well all right that is the show for today thank you to our experts Claude thanks for joining us from A Rich Life thank you for having me good one and Luke from Merryweather Capital good one thanks for joining us Thanks, mate. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. Any stock you'd like us to cover, you can go to osbiz.co forward slash picks or tweet us at TV Don't go anywhere. Much more to come with The Pulse and Carl Kapelinga with his Macro Micro Crypto. <laughs>